Hey everybody, welcome to ADD Masterminds. I'm John Halley, and I'm here with the Theosaurus Rex. Greetings all, it is I, the Theosaurus Rex, and I'm here with John Halley for ADD Masterminds. Greetings all, it is I, the John Howie. Woo! <laughs> it's like a perpetual loop. <laughs> yes. Hey, I don't know. I, I don't know how you guys do it down in America, but like, uh, do you guys have like those um, those like auto kind of order things at McDonald's where you just like punch in your order? Uh, they're starting to implement some of them. Um, but they're primarily in the places that have the uh, $15 an hour minimum wage. Oh, yeah, we got that everywhere. So, yeah. All right. So, when you're waiting for your order in one of those, have you noticed they have like those kind of like butt cushions? No, no. What it, what it, tell me more about these. Okay, so it's like, it's like kind of, um, it's like right at the level, if you're standing, it's like a cushion you can stand against and lean against. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's like, you know, at first it's like, what's this? And then you start seeing people stand there and you're like, oh, that looks comfortable. And I was like thinking, you know, I think they should put McDonald's butt cushions at church. If they expect us to stand, I want McDonald's butt cushions. They should have it where like it would like, it's part of the back of like the pew or the seat and then you can like pull it out. Kind of like a, if you've been to a Catholic church or they have those knee rest things. I haven't seen those in real life, but I've seen them on TV. Yeah, so just like, that. oh, that would be awesome. So yeah, they lean it forward and then you can just like sit. Okay, we need to go, to like, to, we need to talk to Acme about this. I'm sure they could probably make something about it. Oh, and make it out of lasers. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of Acme, I really like my new toilet. Oh, tell me more about this toilet. Yeah, so it's like, it's like waterless and it's got oh. like lasers in it. And How does it, uh, work? it like, wait, wait. it like, I don't know. Would it be vaporizes your Wait, um, is this the one at acmelasertoilet.net.uk.ca? Yes. Okay, I just typed it in as you can hear. It looks like there's like a like a force field that like when you're when the fecal material hits it, it dissipates and it's vaporless. That's crazy. This is ridiculously awesome. Yeah. The only thing I got to say, though, is like you got to wait three hours before using it again because it's like really hot and it's actually legit dangerous to sit on it. Oh, one of my kids. Yeah. Anyways, <gasps> he, he's OK. It just okay. kind of scared us a bit. We got free health care. So, yeah, <laughs> not to get political. We're not getting political. Hey, so okay, you, you ever go to a church and like the pastor's talking and he's like, oh, I'm going to give this one for free. No, never. I've never heard that before in my life, actually. Really? Is that only a Canadian pastor thing? It's like he Apparently. starts telling a story or something, and he's like, oh, I'm going to give this one to you for free. And I'm like, so this isn't covered by our tithe? Like, <laughs> so would that be like one of his like his anecdotal stories at the beginning, or would he, is that just like Yeah, a, you know, it's probably before he actually starts, so it's just kind of like, yeah. And it's like, well, well, bless you, pastor, for giving us that other story about your wife or whatever well probably you should get it for free then it's probably the terrible story Down, yeah. okay maybe he said maybe that's his like recovery line i don't know like, like this was a terrible story 
I mean, we're going to do that on podcasting. I'm like, oh, I'm going to give this one to you guys for free. It's like, yeah, yep. everything is free on the podcast. Yeah. I'm like, I figure oh. I'll make money at podcasting when I'm good at it. So this I'm is going to be free for a long time, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, so Hannah Brown, um, she's like your ex-girlfriend. Is that what's going on? No, here? not at all. Terrible thing. Oh. No, Hannah Brown is the latest bachelorette whose finale ended last week. And, and you used um, to date her. That's crazy. No, what? No, this is terrible. No, this is... <laughs> First off, she doesn't date dinosaurs. Oh, okay. And second, yeah, we, we had to talk about that. thing, that's a little weird. It is. It's pretty terrible. Um, no, she was a contestant on uh, the, the last Bachelorette. Uh-huh. And... Um, so she is she's she's from alabama and is very much of a cultural christian and there's a big hubbub because there was this one guy who was like hey i hope we're saving ourselves to marriage and she was like nah i'm not really sorry you don't have the right to ask me that because you're not my boss etc cetera, etc cetera. and um she got really kind of like open about her um uh some time that she spent with some of the other guys and oh, okay. um so but one of the things that she mentioned in the finale is she was like, you know, I feel really like throughout this process, I was able to show everything and it made me truly free. And but mm. some of the things that she showed was not her. It definitely wasn't the best sides of her. Right. Because um, she was being manipulative and she was being purposely hurtful towards one of the guys um, and stuff like that. And a lot of people see him as the villain and everything. Um, but then I started thinking about that and the whole idea of like we talk about authenticity, we talk about whatever. And kind of the big thing with the people that I watch it with was like, well, she's pretty much destroyed her Christian witness, if mm. she even had one, if she's even a Christian, because of some of the things that she's doing and talking about and the way she's talking about, et cetera, et cetera. Because her whole thing is, I'm going to sin, and then God will forgive me, and everything will be good. <laughs> and um, so it really got me thinking about the whole idea of how much, how authentic is too authentic, and how much of our personal lives and struggles do we share to the point to where we actually become less of a witness and our authenticity hurts us um, versus you know being authentic with stuff because people I don't know like everyone was cheering she's like oh I had I slept with this guy four times in that one night and it was awesome and everything and people are like whoa but everyone's cheering and it's like okay any anyway so what do you think about authentic is, is can you be too authentic at times well, and get into too much details when talking about stuff. I, I think a lot about um, the Apostle Paul saying, follow my example. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, as Christians, we should all be able to say that. So if we're able to say that, follow my example, um, yeah. then full-on authenticity should be sufficient, right? Right. Um, I don't know, though. I, I think what's interesting to me is like I think about my own life and it's like well there's shows I watch that not every Christian would watch or things I say that not every Christian would say and so for those people that would be offended by that I'm not going to share those things Um, I think it's kind of like the whole like meat sacrifice to idols thing where Mm -hmm. it's like you know if it's going to be something that offends a person don't do it in front of them Right. But I always look at that and say, well, don't also don't be the guy that's offended by everything. You know, it's like, don't be quick to offend and don't be quick to be offended. But, um, I mean, as far as my past goes, um, I think 
as long as I'm able to acknowledge that it was sinful and it is sinful and that I shouldn't be doing those things, I think it's okay to disclose things I've done. Yeah. Um, but to excuse it, that's a problem. Now you're being a poor witness. To be able to say, well, I did this, but God forgives me and I'm going to do it again. Then, then you're really screwing it up. Yeah. Do you feel that there is a... Um so kind of going with the Romans 14, 14 thing, do you feel that there is a, a particular time and place that certain things should be and then shouldn't be shared? Like, so I know, like, of course, like, you wouldn't want to talk about, like, how awesome it was being an alcoholic when you're at, like, an, like a meeting with people who are struggling with, like, alcoholism and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but outside of a situation like that where, like, what you're sharing could literally cause someone to, like, stumble... Do you think that there are certain times and places for things, for authenticity to be, for us to practice that maybe more so than other times? Time and place for authenticity. Um, I, I, for me, my rule would be sensitive to the spirit and what the Holy Spirit is doing in that person's life right now. Is it beneficial for me to share this story right now? Um, yeah. Like, I know there's sheer entertainment value, and, you know, you hear Christians share stories about, like, hey, man, and then we, we went and, like, shoplifted at this store, and it was hilarious. I was a teenager, or whatever. I don't know, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of like, what's the benefit to this story? I mean, to talk about something you did that was sinful fondly, I, I'm just, I don't, I don't have time for that. Like, I'm just like, that's, that's not doing anything to build people up it's if anything it could possibly mislead someone yeah and so i i don't understand the glorification of evil period mm -hmm. like even if it is in your past i just like that's not there shouldn't be a place for that and i'm trying to think of things that i'm proud of that i did that was wrong i i try not to be like that <laughs> yeah. so yeah, because I mean, to even say, well, I had a past where I used to binge drink all the time, and oh, it was so awesome, it was so much fun. I'm like, I don't understand the benefit in sharing that story, um, because right. you know, if you really are in Christ, and if you've really grown from that point, you also realize that there's this dissatisfaction from that kind of lifestyle, where... You know, you know that you're not drinking now for a purpose, you know, <clears throat> or you're not sleeping around now and you're monogamous for a purpose. And so I and it bothers me when people are unable to live in the now and they look back on their past days fondly and say, oh, it was so much fun to date multiple girls. And it's like, dude, you're married now. Yeah. And that's better. Believe it or not, it's better. <laughs> and so it's like what God has for you now is better than what he gave you in the past and what kind of terrible things you were doing in the past. It's like that was counterfeit. So don't ever speak of that as if it's better than what you have now. Right. I, guess I think sometimes rule. like working <laughs> at like uh, youth retreats and whatnot, especially like when we have youth speaking, sometimes they'll get a little like, Okay, that's a little too much detail. You could just mm. say, we had sex versus, like, all like all the details. <laughs> but then I think sometimes, like, for adults, especially if adults are working with teens, they like to uh, 
to kind of not necessarily embellish, but they, they're honest and everything. But they like to go, yeah, I was out there, I was drinking every night, I was blackout drunk, I had sex yeah. with every girl. The way. Yeah. And sometimes they try to build street cred with it. Um, but no, I think sometimes in that sense it comes off as inauthentic. But oh, it's got to be real. It's got to be real. Don't embellish. Don't gloss over it either. Like I think you know sometimes we gloss over our sin too much, and it's one of my favorite things they do on Bad Christian. They swear a lot and they have like sexual jokes sometimes too. So I know a lot of people would be offended by it. But one of the things they said, especially early on in their podcast, was if you're not able to acknowledge, if you're not able to talk about your past, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not really allow, able to acknowledge how sinful you really were in your past, if you're just trying to hide that, then you're denying the fact that the blood of Christ covers those terrible things you did. Mm. I was like, wow. So it's not, yeah, it's not about me getting street cred. It's like me being able to say, well, this is how deep, this is how deep my sin was. And this is where, where Jesus came and got me when I was in that depth. Oh, that's interesting. And in doing that, you become truly free. Yeah. Well, it, back to it. Yeah. Well, and, and it, it gives people hope, right? Because they're like, well, yeah. wow. Yeah, I'm pretty messed up, too. And you're, you're saying he could help me, too? Yeah. I think it makes sense. Hey, we were talking about business ideas before. What was that? Oh, the B- McDonald's butt cushion. I really yes. should have put this with that. But anyways, I've got, like, all kinds of cool business ideas. I, I get so many ideas. I just write everything down. But, like, excuse me. Um, but uh, I had this idea. So, so my, my kids have to wear uniforms, right? So they have to wear black pants at the Christian school they go to. Um, ah. And I was like thinking, huh, black pants. A lot of people wear black pants. What if there was a store that sold nothing but black pants? That would be the store that I would buy all my clothes from. You wear black Not pants that all the time? dinosaurs really wear black. I mean, it kind of depends. Right, like, but I mean, sometimes like, sometimes for an interview. But you think about it, if you want like a pair of black pants, um, you're gonna go to that store and you're like, man, I don't have to sort through all these blue pants, gray pants, whatever colors pants you got, right? You just go right. there, and all you have to do is find the right size and style. I mean, it just simplifies things. Why is there? N- I mean, there's cupcake shops. There's shops that do nothing but sell cupcakes. Why isn't there a black pants store? So, any entrepreneurs I- out there, do it. Wait, should, should we get a cut of this? No, it's good. I, I'll give that one to you for free. Oh, I see what you did there. Okay, okay, okay. Another, <laughs> another one. All right. I had this idea for a business. Actually, don't do this one. Um, duct tape solutions. Basically, okay. it's like somebody has something broken. You always fix it with duct tape. Right. Like duct tape solutions comes in, in their truck, full of duct tape. Actually, it could probably be a car, because, I mean, like, you don't need that much duct tape. Mm, well, depends. I mean, you could building a fill house. a car full. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> okay, so it could be a truck. Um, and basically anything. It's like, oh, my door's broken. It's like, yeah, um, first sign this waiver. And you have to sign a waiver saying that you won't sue them when they fix it wrong, because it's a duct tape solution. It's supposed to be half-baked. And yeah. you fix it. Yeah, and it's like five bucks, I'll fix anything with duct tape. And they could easily make their money back because they would go and like, you don't just fix one, like who just has one thing going wrong at their house? Yeah, exactly. You can't really argue with that. 
<laughs> you just jumped ahead in the list. All right. Sorry. Hey, so I was at I was at church and um, this guy was like, actually he was one of the pastors, and he comes up to us in the worship team and he's like, "You guys sounded really good this morning." Like, and we were just practicing, right? Mm-hmm. And one of my buddies is like, "Well, I don't know," and I'm like, "Can't argue with that." Uh, and then I was like thinking, man, that's just like a great thing to say when someone compliments you. Yeah. You know what? It's that's because like, you're not being, um, you're not dismissing it. You're also not like necessarily relishing in it. You're just affirming that what you've said is true. That's a really good way to be humbly confident. Well, you know, it was kind of funny because right after that, the pastor said to me, pride cometh before the fall. I was like, yeah. And I'm like, it's funny though. <laughs> And so, you can't argue with yeah, so I was like thinking about that. I'm like, okay, so like, you know, someone says, wow, wow, you look really good today. Can't argue with that. <laughs> I just think it's a funny response. Yeah, this is probably one of my favorite podcasts I co-host with you. Can't argue with that. No, you can't. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I was slow on that because I thought you were being genuine. I was like, really, already? No, I mean, well, it is, but it's all good. <laughs> so, it's, so the question is, when you do setups like that, do you say something that literally they you could not argue with because it is a statement of fact, or does it just something where you like you kind of hold on? So, like, if I say we're all breathing right now, can't argue with that. Exactly. So then, what do you do? Okay, well, cool. Or do you like? Anyway, I got to ponder on this one. Okay, now, next level. What if instead of amen, we started saying? <gasps> can't argue with that yes okay there is isn't one god great can't argue with that but it's like the whole congregation saying that at once can't, can't argue, argue with that nope you gotta do a little okay you gotta go to a charismatic church there but can't argue with that <laughs> gotta have the multiple <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> all right hey um i was listening to adam grant i'm uh, on a podcast um and this guy is like an organizational psychologist. He's like a really organized psychologist. Mm-hmm. No, actually, he deals with organizations. But um, he was talking about how there's that kind of idea that power corrupts. And he's yes. like, that's not, that's not right. He said that actually what happens is power reveals who you really are. And so he gave like this example of... Um, a lawyer. Oh man, I can't remember the situation now. No. But it was a lawyer who was offered something shady and he took it and eventually he became president, Richard Nixon. <gasps> Le gasp. Yes. We're not getting political. Now, another so- lawyer, another lawyer, right? Yes. He was offered, you know, like a client and mm-hmm. he works with the client for a bit and he looks at him and he's like, I can't, I can't defend you. And the guy's like, why? And he's like, because I'm pretty sure you're guilty. And he refused that client for that reason. And he became president. He became President Abraham Lincoln. <gasps> and so it's like this idea, though, like power, it's not that power actually is what causes the corruption. It reveals mm-hmm. what's already in your character. And so one of the things that Adam Grant said was 
when you give people power, they are disinhibited. So it's like until we have power, we're just kind of like, well, I don't know if I want to say that, or I don't know if I should do that. Not everyone's going to like it. But then when you have like absolute power, it's like, oh, okay, now I'm going to do what I really think should be done. That um, is actually something... I'm re-watching through The Office, um, uh -huh. and for those of y'all who are familiar with it, you know, in it, there's a character named Dwight Schrute, Dwight Schrute, I love Dwight and, so um, much. Huh? I love Dwight so much. He's just awful. It's funny. He's, he's awful. Um, but so it's really interesting because, like, there are times where he becomes, like, the, the branch manager for a little bit. Yeah. And it's like he sets up this totalitarian, like, dictatorship mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that's what he really wants to do. Yeah. And then I've seen that, like, especially being in the business world and whatnot, where you've got a dude and he's pretty cool and everything and oh now he's the manager holy junko what has he done you know like hey i, I miss who you used to be before all this power went to your head yeah but it's i think that's a really interesting idea that it wasn't the power that did this to him it was in him all along and i'm like that makes a lot of sense one of my uh, favorite lines from a, um, I just thought of this, sorry, um, as you were saying that. Um, one of my favorite lines from a song is from a song called, it's by Me Without You, and um, I think it's called A Glass. And um, the line is, oh, you pious and profane, put away your shame and blame. A glass can only spill what it contains. What new Ooh. mystery is this? What new mystery is this? And, um, and it's just, it's one of those, like, holy crap, that's, you're right. I mean, so, and that's so going in with what you're saying with that. That's right. Like, a glass can only spill what it contains. And so, like, if you're, if you're full of anger and rage and stuff like that, and, and the glass gets bumped, well, it's going to spill out anger and rage. Mm. So you don't have someone who used to be, like, oh, happy and everything like that. And then you bump them, and they let out the anger and rage. Well, that's, cause that's what was in them. And yeah. when you have power, then just like what Adam was saying, then you do become disinhibited, and you, you're able to... To, to spill what was really inside from you in the beginning and it doesn't matter. I heard this uh, preacher saying that like when you get to a certain age, like your personality, like it's, it's like people get to a certain age and you just either become that like pleasant old person or that cranky yeah. old person. And, and it's just set at that point. And I was getting pretty grumpy over the last like I guess a week ago, basically. Up mm. until a week ago, I was just getting more and more crotchety. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, so, you gonna be a happy old man or crotchety old man? And I'm like, okay, let's go with happy. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just had to let a lot of stuff go and just be like, all right, I cannot be cranky about everything. Right. Well, and one of the things that, like, my previous job, or, well, so, sorry, let's back up for a second. So this past year, I've had a lot of health issues going on and everything. And so right. I was on medication for a very long time. Right. Um, and a lot of it was like painkillers and all that kind of stuff. And um, so after I had the last surgery in June and I got off everything and I was off all the painkillers, like there was about like a good week where I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I feel more like myself. I'm not like in a fog. Mm. I have like a happy attitude. I can do all this kind of stuff. And I think that sometimes... 
um, being on like either painkillers or some sort of mood altering drug in some way can help you kind of see some of the stuff that you're struggling with. Um, because like I was like, so I'm an Enneagram one. And so if you look at like the, the, the negatives to that, they can be belittling, condescending and stuff like that when they're at their worst. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of the things that like that can bring out of you. And so I was really kind of struggling with that myself. It's like, hmm, am I really this like terrible of a person? Um, mm. But then I think though part of it though with the um, with mood altering drugs and stuff like that, you can get you can um, it can bring out stuff that isn't who you who you really are. Yeah. And I think that the same thing can happen. Like, so I say that to say, I think sometimes our life circumstances can can point us into really like negative and terrible and dark places. But then it's also up to us to determine how do we kind of respond to that. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I, you know, over the last like couple of days too, I've been starting to look at like kind of the trials, kind of the difficulties. It's like, well, think about it for a minute. Like you. you you're capable of solving this problem, you know. Like you've got you've got the mad problem-solving skills to solve this, and if you don't, you're going to develop them through this, you know. And it's like mad problem-solving skills. Like it's crazy when you start seeing those opportunities, and you're like, oh, huh, what I just did there was interesting. Like I I use this and I use this and I use this to solve this problem, and I'm like, huh. Hey, so I think. Sorry, oh, keep going. Um, I think, especially like if you if you've ever been like in a position where like you took over a new position, yeah. or like you're doing something you've not, you've not done before, especially like with work related, you you find these mad problem solving skills, where yeah. you're over here like, okay, I didn't know hmm, how I could do this in a totally different way, and that could absolutely work, or it might not. But either way, somehow I figured out this problem, and I didn't know that I knew how to do this. And I think yeah. being put like, and I think it's one of the reasons why God tries to put us just out of our comfort zone. Yeah. Because I think that we really we have to to go on to, and we have to rely on our mad problem solving skills when we don't. When we're out of our comfort zone and we're out of the place where we know how everything works and whatnot. Yeah. Well, and it's like um, we were talking before about um, Mark Manson, um, where he was like saying overcommit just a little bit, and I'm like, mm -hmm. huh. Yeah, put yourself in that situation. Sounds like bad advice, but it really isn't. Yeah. Hey, you um, mentioned compartmentalized Christianity in the ADD Master List. Yes. What uh, context were you thinking for that? Uh, so I was watching The Bachelorette, and uh, one of the... I'm just kidding. Well, actually, yes, but it brought me to... Anyway, there, is, there seems to be something, especially with, like... Um, and I know this isn't like every generation says, especially with kids of today. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the things that in some of the books that like I read when I was getting my my masters and whatnot, mm -hmm. they were talking about how increasingly, especially in your like your over church saturated areas, like down south in the U.S., we have the Bible Belt where there's literally a church like every block in many places. Wow! And um, so there's so and then especially in the south, we have like a cultural Christianity where right. like. It is expected that on Sunday, like people don't like people stores don't open up on time. Like they open up, assuming for people being in church, um, and then people give you dirty looks if you're not going to church that one day. Or it's perfectly normal to say, "Hey, where do you go to church?" That kind of stuff. But that's like what Canada, they were like 40 years ago. <laughs> oh man, and then, I'm not getting I'm from the future. 
<gasps> Whoa. There is actually there is a thought that um, a lot of your Canada and Europe are the future of the U.S. in like forty years. Yeah, I could see but that. That is that is if I'm not going there though. I'm not going political. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think um, and so I was also talking about. I went to this discussion group and we were talking about Kierkegaard's idea of faith and stuff like that. And one of the things that he wrote about is he wrote to the cultural Christians. It's okay. So anyway, how does that work with compartmentalized Christianity? Um, when you have a cultural Christianity, it seems that what happens is you you take your like it's like most of you have a box and you take all your Christian stuff and you set it out and you put it all out and everything. Okay, this is my Christian stuff. I'm hanging out with my Christian friends. I'm saying my Christian words. I'm doing all this kind of stuff. And then you go and you pack it all up. You put it away. And then Monday morning comes or whenever it is, you're hanging out with your work friends. And then you're over there cussing. You're doing all this other kind of stuff. And you you pack up and you compartmentalize and put all your Christianity to the side. And then you pull it out. And when you when you uh, need to or when it's helpful, and I saw this especially, and I've seen this in the life of a lot of my Christian friends, especially going through college um, and stuff like that. But also um, in the Bachelorette, there was a very interesting part. Like when she was with this one guy, and when she brought this guy to meet her family, it, she was very like, you know, I was praying about this, I was talking about the Lord with this, and he really said this, and and this guy, he didn't pressure me to do anything in the fantasy suite, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then when she was around the other guy that she didn't like and wasn't trying to, which was around the family, she was like, yeah, and I can't believe you would want to do this. And then I don't even know, you know, F, you know cussing on all that kind of stuff. Mm. And it's just, it's very interesting to me, the idea of being, and I, so it kind of goes with the whole, with the thing from before about like, I know I'm being very ADD about this, but, I, so I apologize. <laughs> but it just kind of goes with that whole thing before where you talk about like, how can people act so differently? How can people, you know, how is, it, is that possible? And I think it's because we can compartmentalize our Christianity. And yeah. I think that's very dangerous, but I think it's becoming more and more common. And then I think it especially happens in the um, more your cultural Christianity works or in that type of atmosphere. And then I think that's one of the things that Kierkegaard was... Um, really big into was like getting people to question things and i think sometimes yeah. having a mindset or having a, a someone who's out there questioning the reality and then like so why do you believe this and stuff like that can really get us to break out of our compartmentalized christianity and that was a very long diatribe and i apologize <laughs> yeah no um i do like that i'm questioned on my faith i do because my faith isn't something that I'm just like, well, it is, I was born into this. Like, I have questioned it multiple times. I question <laughs> it a lot. I'm like, is this, is this real? And I'm reminded it is. Yeah. Um, I, you know, when I think about co compartmentalized Christianity, it's kind of interesting because when, I, it is pretty obvious when you see, like, um, cult cultural Christianity. Um, within like Christian schools. I mean, I've taught at the Christian schools and you kind of look at it and you're like, man, like, how are these kids like this? Like, how are the bad kids really this bad? You know, if we're yeah. teaching them the love of Jesus and everything like that, why do they want to mess with the sub? Why do they want to, you know, and it's like, oh, no, no, it's just yeah. a game. But it's like, you know, I was thinking about like even like sports. You know, and it's like if I'm playing hockey or if I'm playing basketball, there's certain penalties that it's like, oh, this is a penalty you have to take. And it's like, no, you're breaking the rules of the game. Like, 
as a Christian, don't we play by the rules? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Like, we're not supposed to cheat, are we? Right? But there's like what they call a suspension of ethics. So when you're a teenager, you're in junior high, you're in grade eight, there's a suspension of ethics where you're like, well, I'm not going to be a Christian right now because my job is to make this sub's day a living hell. Yeah. And why is that? Like, we let that happen. And in fact, we kind of relish that. And I like to, I like to think about my days as a junior high student and how I was a pain in the butt to the teacher. It's like, why is that? That's sin. Right. It's like, <clears throat> sorry, it's like what we were talking about before with like, so could that be, hmm, okay, I have to ponder about this more. Well, I, and I think it's like, like we were saying before, though, like when you talk about your past and you talk about your sin, there is going to be a little bit of pride that will rise up. And you got to question, like, am I doing this for my glory? Am I telling this story for my glory? Or am I telling the story for God's glory? Right. And there's kind of a, there's kind of a thin line there, isn't there? Yes. Now, and did you see... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Did you see, so we're working in like a Christian school and whatnot, did you see the things where like, so the Christian schools down here a lot of times will have like a time of worship or you'll have time of yeah. prayer and stuff like that. And you'll see like someone out there who's like really like worshiping and like really into it and stuff like that. And it happens in churches too. And then you see them and they're like acting a different way and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought that you were this good person mm. because I saw the way that you were praying. I saw the way that you were worshiping. You know, I saw the Bible study you're leading. Why, how, how could you think that this was okay? Did you see that like a lot or run into that situation a lot? Um, I guess I didn't pay that much attention to it. It was, it seemed like it was similar. The kids that weren't really engaging in worship were the same kids that were kind of a problem. Okay. But it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. Yeah. I don't know. You know, junior high is such a weird time of your life, too. Because I know for me, it was really hard for me to be serious. Like, it was like, oh, I got to joke when I'm with the guys. Like, I got to be funny when I'm with the guys. Yeah. I can't reveal my true self when I'm with the guys, right? And it's like, but I, I think, you know, our goal is to be what they call fully congruent people. Mm. And it's like, what's in your heart is what comes out in speech. You're not, you're not faking it. You're just genuine. You're a real person. It was something, um, I was... Uh, listening to an interview there's this guy blind boy out of ireland and um he's got this podcast and he had this guy on his show who he's like this this person is fully congruent and then he explained what it was and i'm like i like that term fully congruent it's like there's nothing nothing hidden you know that person is who they are like you you don't expect them to be anything different than what they're presenting to you. Like, that's, that's a crazy yeah. thought, isn't it? It is. And, I th and it, it's kind of sad that it is so crazy that, that we can't just, like, that there are, like, these secret stuff. Well, I guess that kind of goes back to the whole, to Hannah's point, it's like, I shared everything that made me truly free. And so there's, like, what if, um, what would it be like if, especially Christians, but just, let's even just back it off of all of Christianity, like if yourself or me or 
someone that may be a pastor, whoever, could could literally do that. Like, it's really, it's something to think about, and I think it's. I think the difficulty is is that when you get into a position of power, um, there's some danger in sharing yes. your your doubts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I was talking to a pastor about Rob Bell, and um, yeah, friend of the show. Yeah, and she was saying like, it's okay that like Rob Bell was starting to question all this stuff. The problem is is that he was questioning this stuff out loud. And so a whole lot of people were misled as a result. And I'm like, that's an interesting thought, right? It's like once you're given like authority as a teacher, it's like what you teach needs to actually lead people to where they need to go because you are held to a higher standard. And it's like, whoa. And I mean, I guess podcasting, you know, if we do have a bit of a following, it's like there may be a segment of the population that's going to hang on every word. And it's like, am I, am I using the right words here? Am I, am I saying what needs to be said? Because I cannot, and I, I think again, it's that whole like, am I doing this for my glory or am I doing it for God's glory? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that's, you know, and back to leadership, and I believe this was Adam Grant again. Um, he said, you don't just need a support network. You need a challenge network. And that's, that's something we don't think about. It's like, so what's my challenge network? Who are the people that are keeping me accountable and questioning right. what I'm doing? Um, when we talk about accountability, we typically look at accountability as like, well, I need to check in with my partner and tell them that I wasn't doing any porn, right? Or not doing right. porn, watching porn, sorry. That's, that's a whole different well. thing. Um, but anyways, um, but it's like, they, you need to be challenged on everything. Like even just mm-hmm. the way you speak to people, the way that you yeah. treat people, you know, and treat people online, you know? It's like, we need to be challenged and we need to be questioned on it. And I don't know, like, I, I don't think we do that at all. Like, I think, you know, when it comes to people's online behavior, for sure, we're not keeping each other in check. Like, we're just like, oh, yeah, that guy just went off on that guy. I totally wouldn't do that, but, like, whatever, not my problem. I think a lot of times it, um, let's see. Okay, sorry. So, one of the things that in my life that really helped me um, when I was going, when I was getting my undergrad, um, I met up with a group of guys and we call it our guild. And it was a guild because it's a group of like-minded individuals pursuing a common purpose. And um, we weren't just an accountability group. The whole thing was to live life together. And and one of the the, um, things of being in it is that every aspect of your life was, you agreed that everyone could speak into every aspect of your life. So it wasn't outside and so it had to be groups of people it had to be a group of people that you really trusted and you believed in and stuff like that yeah um but it was something where like there were entire times where we had like we met up every week where we had a time where we talked about well you were not very nice to people online today and Mm. you called them a bunch of idiots and and i you know according to this in scripture you, you can't do that 
And then, then I was like, well, actually, I disagree with you. We, I think I totally can because, you know, the, the, the Bible talks about, well, then the ass spoke. And it's just like, so I'm just quoting the, you know, and, you know, you can go around things. But that was one of the things that was really important is that we challenged everyone. And, and, every, and, and the fact that we said everything or nothing is off limits, everything is open mm-hmm. to this kind of thing. And that it can be it can be very difficult at times. Yeah. And um, so but I think that was really important. And I think a lot of times, like you were saying, with the support network, it's just like, yeah, man, I'm so sorry that you're going through this or whatever. And it's not like, well, what are you doing to change it? So, OK, this is yeah. like the fourth week in a row that you said you're struggling with this. What are you doing different? Yeah. And, um, oh, and man. I think people get scared of that. Building strategy like that. Accountability isn't just like, yeah, I screwed up. It's like, no, like, okay, so what's our strategy going forward? What are your triggers? Right? Yeah. It's like, well, when I'm tired and I'm stressed, this is when it happens. It's like, all right. So what's some alternate behaviors that we can use? Right? Word. And so... And um, some... Okay. You were Sometimes gonna, it's... You, you yeah. kind of learn, like, sometimes it's a learning process. Well, I said one of my buddies was like, "Well, I don't want to do X anymore." Yeah. And so we were like, "Okay, so what do you want to try?" And he's like, mm, "What if I do this?" And then two weeks after, he's like, "Nope, that didn't help at all. Let's try something else." Yeah. And so you know, we changed up things. Went and then um, there like were certain that. times where we're like, "Hey, so do you, so you give me permission to if you say this happens, then I'm going to slap you in the face, right?" Or you know, not it wasn't exactly like that, but it was you know something along that lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so you give me permission. The first thing we're going to talk about every week is we're going to ask you about this. Yeah. And you have to, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, and then just real quick, hitting back to the, the Rob Bell thing um, about the being in a position of leadership, you have to have like, um, you know, it's, it's not wrong that he questioned, it's wrong that he questioned out loud. <clears throat> so Soren Kierkegaard is my favorite the, uh, philosopher slash theologian. And um, one of the things in his in his book about faith, um, fear and trembling, is he just he just questions the stuff. He asks, like, "Is can we ever really be, have faith? If um, Adam, or sorry, if Abraham was the man of faith, should we be like Adam or Abraham? Because Abraham had some serious issues. Mm. Um, and I think so. With love wins, um, when that first came out, that was a big hubbub. And I think a lot of the questions he asked in that were really good. His problem yeah. was, at the end of it, he didn't say. Clearly, I felt that it was clear, but having read all of his stuff, being very familiar with him and stuff like that, I understood what he was saying, but a lot of people read it and they were like, well, he never told us what the truth actually is. Yeah. And I think that's where it is. Like, so if we, if we do question aloud, we need to come, we shouldn't, we need to have some sort of a, a basis or a coming back to the end and say, so yeah, I am questioning on whether or not, let's say this, the whole hell thing exists. Yeah. But here's what I do know. I do know that hell does exist in some way and that God does get, you know, whatever the case is, however yeah. he wants to word it. Um, but Give coming to some sort of conclusion, solid. not leaving it open. Yeah, don't just deconstruct and leave it hanging. <laughs> yeah. Like, who I, wants it? Like, nobody wants that. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. Because I, I just saw, I saw somebody on um, Twitter talking to someone and she kind of said to that person, it's like, well... I don't believe in fairy tales, so I don't believe in heaven or hell. But if there was, if there was a heaven and you're there, I wouldn't want to be there anyways. <laughs> I was like, and so I kind of came into that conversation and I said, so, and I'm like, how do you know there isn't a heaven or hell? 
Yeah. I mean, like, why are you so sure there isn't a heaven or hell? And she kind of replied to me and said, why are people so sure that there is? And I said to her, I'm like, I don't fully understand why people are so sure that there is. But I yeah. do understand why people are so sure that God exists. Oh. And that, that's kind of where I took it. She never really finished the conversation. But yeah. it was kind of interesting. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, but um, I actually did that as Bridge Watt. So my new Twitter handle is Bridge Watt. Um, and the reason um, is uh, it's the combination of two concepts, bridge and living water. And kind of my that my makes a lot of sense now. I'm sorry. Oh uh, yeah, you probably just, didn't I know that. <laughs> no, I had no idea. I was like, who is okay? Maybe this is his new persona. It Should is I not follow what's you know all kind of, anyway. But okay. But yeah, it's it's my musical thing I'm working on right now. Um, and so I've got a single coming out August 16th. Um, hopefully it's good this time. I released it before and I had some problems with audio quality. But um, yeah, so hopefully it's good this time. Um, and it'll be like basically on all streaming services. It's crazy. I saw it even in the Google Play Store for like a dollar twenty nine. I'm like, what? People could pay for this? It's crazy. But wow. with the re-release, I'm releasing a song called Monkey with a Gun, and then the second song is called Hurt Me Right Way. And Hurt Me Right Way is basically talking about being married to someone who does sharpen you, like somebody who mm. is that um, challenge network, right? Yeah. And it's like this idea that, like, I think, you know, when you get married, that person is going to hurt you. When you get married, that person is going to annoy you sometimes. And so basically my chorus is, you hurt me all the right ways. And it's like, it was funny because like my, my producer who's doing all my music for it. Um, he's like, yeah, this is like a pop song. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to write a pop song. And so it's about hurting me the right ways. That's how I write a pop yeah. song. It, it, it's fun. I, it's got like, um, it's got ukulele in it. It's kind of cool. 10 of 10. I'm going to order 10 of them. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. All right. Anyways. Um, now you, you were asking, um, what responsibility do we have to warn others and when should we move on? Yes. Um, so this is very, so, Ezekiel 33 says if there's the watchman is chilling at the wall and he sees someone, he sees danger coming in and he does, and he says something and the people don't respond, well, that's their fault. But if he doesn't say anything and the people, um, therefore don't respond because he didn't warn them, then their blood is on his hands. Mm, yes. In Matthew 10, Jesus is talking. He's sending the disciples out and he's like, okay, if you go to someone and you try to help them and they don't want to listen, then you dust the feet from, you dust, you, yeah. sorry, you wipe, you shake the dust off your feet and then you walk away. Their, their fate is sealed and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I think, um, so I wanted to know like, so where, where do we have this balance? Like, as an example, there's a there's I, so I'm going through some some job stuff that's going on, and so part of me is like I need to go on like all the websites and anonymously go in there and say, hey guys, this is a terrible place. Watch out for this. Don't do this. And da 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 da. And then there's another part where it's like, well, literally last time I went there to turn in like all of my stuff, 
I shook the dust off of my feet, and mm. then I I drove off. Or like you have a church, and like maybe there's a church having issues and stuff like that. And you know, so so where do we kind of balance that? Because what if we haven't done everything that we could to warn them? Like it talks about in Ezekiel 33. What if we've just said, "Hey guys, yeah, there's bad guys coming." You know, we didn't knock on all the doors and stuff like that. So where do where do you think? What do you think about that? So we're talking about like um, warning people of something coming, or a circumstance. But we're talking about warning the masses not, as opposed to warning one individual. Yeah, like where do we? Yeah, yes. Uh, okay. So I like. For me, it's a lot easier to say this from like an individual perspective. Okay. Like, as a parent, you know, as kids get closer to adulthood, it's kind of interesting to see what happens because they got like the gumption of an adult, but like the ability to like compute isn't quite there. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like for me, often what I'll do is I'll just say, "This is the way it works," and they decide not to listen, then they will go a different way. And it's just like, all right, well, like I told you, like I'm not, you know, and I'm not a big I right. told you so kind of person. I don't wish like a curse upon my child for not following my way. And it's like, I hope, I hope I'm proven right so I can just like stick it in your face, right? Like I, yeah. I, I'm more so like, okay, well, I mean, I spoke from my experience here and you decided to go the other way, and that might or might not work. I mean, I hope for your sake it does, but my experience says it's not gonna work, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's like being kind of an expert in warning people. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's a big thing in any, any job you're in, right? It's like, as right. the expert, I'm saying this. Well, we live in a world where we don't always trust experts. And so if you've got expertise on something, I don't think like pressing hard and repeatedly saying the same thing is gonna have any kind of effect. Yeah. And so like to me, it's like I give a gentle warning and I'm gonna make sure I'm as concise and as clear as possible so that I've done my job. After that, it's not my issue. That makes sense. Now, I mean, like, hey, it's, it's hard, like, I'm not a big fan of warning people against institutions. Or, you know, it's like, that McDonald's over there, don't ever go there, they're terrible. <laughs> right. Right? I'm like, I'm okay with people having a bad experience at McDonald's and figuring it out themselves, because I know those people need to work too at that McDonald's. Yeah. And so, like, if they're bad, people can find it out. So I, I think part of it, too, is questioning whether it's worthwhile me making the warning to begin with. Is it something so awful that I need to forewarn people? Or, you know? But, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say it. Like, I, I still think that it's kind of like you do it once, clearly. Because after a while, it's just harassment. <laughs> you know? No, that totally makes sense, yeah. It's either harassment or it's slander, right? Like you, you're repeatedly telling people how terrible that McDonald's is. It's like, to why? Like, who cares? It's gonna take them five extra minutes to get their order. Like, that's really, that's what I'm complaining about. 
And it's like, is it really worth all this slander, right? And I don't know, like, I, I just think we gotta check our hearts with these things. It's like, and it's, I, I think again, it's kind of like, is this about me or is this about them? Like, who, whom am I, like, who am I trying to please right now? And I, I think that's, that's a lot of kind of some of the struggle, you know, in my opinion on that, where it's like, you know, at, at what point do we let people fail? And yeah. so I think for the big, like the big picture, like for like, uh, for the example of the McDonald's, it's like, okay, well, you know, it's not that terrible if, if someone's got to wait like five minutes on something. Um, but then again, you could have something where like, oh, this, like there's unhealthy thing, practices or whatever the case is. People are putting their feet in lettuce, like in the Burger King that one time happened. You know, maybe we should avoid that. Yeah. Um, but then we've also got the thing of, well, okay, well, this, these people did terrible things to you. And um, so like, let's say we'll take it to a church situation. You've got somebody who was shunned by the church um, because they spoke out against something that, that is biblical, but the church doesn't want to deal with it for whatever reason. You know, so at some point, that person who needs to, well, uh, needs to move on so they can heal and they can get all that kind of stuff. But in the same way, it's kind of like, maybe that person should say like one or two things. Um, like there's a guy over we call him we call him the um, the whore guy because he always has these these signs and he stands on the corner of the road and he talks about whores and like prostitutes and people dressing up like this and about how yeah. sin and all this other kind of stuff and um, his and so I went to talk to him one day just say hey you know first off this isn't working you you're not gonna turn people away but also would you like a sandwich or something because he looks pretty yeah. rough. Um, and he was like, well, so let me tell you my story. My story is I was going to a church, and then my wife started having an affair with the pastor, and then the pastor said, no, that's untrue, and this guy's in sin, and so they kicked me out of it. And then everyone believed him, and then I lost my house because she took everything because we had kids, and she got control of the kids, and then I lost my job, and just all this kind of stuff. And it's like, I'm just trying to warn people, A, don't go to that church, B, we got to live a Christian lifestyle, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, Okay, so so I understand, like, and I'm I'm with you on that part. People should be warned about the church, but at some point you need to move on and dust your feet off of it so that yeah. you can can go forward on it. And um, yeah, so but he's and he was really caught up in the Ezekiel 33 thing because like I've got to warn people because if I don't, then their blood's on my hand. And I don't think that that's what when God was talking about that. He, I don't think he was saying that to like scare us into yeah. like doing this. But I also think he was there to warn us to say, hey, look, you do have a responsibility to say something. Well, and I mean, this is evangelism in general, right? Like, yeah. we have a responsibility to say something. But it's like people aren't ready for the whole enchilada <laughs> all the time, yeah. right? So don't, like, shove it into their face because they're not going to eat it anyways. Um, and so, like I was saying in that conversation with that lady... It was like, oh, okay, well, she didn't want to finish that conversation. All right, we're going to move on. And then it was like later there was another, you know, it's like, what is your Twitter handle and why do you have that name? And she had commented on that. So I commented below her. And I'm like, my name is Bridge Live Watt because, and then I said, Bridge Living Waters. I want to bridge people to the living waters. And that was it. Like, just pretty ambiguous. I don't know yeah. if it's like totally clear what I'm saying there, but it's like just planting a series of seeds. 
And yes. um, it's it's interesting because I, I I don't know if what I'm doing is considered conventional. I'm doing it kind of different, and it's kind of interesting because you know, like Jeff Dornick from um, from Gate the Gatekeepers Gate online. Keepers, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like how I. Okay. Anyways. He, he asked me to write an article for his website, um, and it was on like how to have conversations with people who you disagree with, right? Yes. With whom Very you good disagree. Very article, by the way. 10 of 10, do you recommend? Oh, you liked it? Yes. Oh, that's good. Um, so I had this guy that's like, hold on here, to my article. I don't know if you saw that in exchange, but it was funny. Um, he's like, you say that you define a fool as someone who um, will not listen to reason. Well, the Bible says, a fool says in their heart that there is no God. So you're not using the biblical definition. I'm like, what? Oh, man. I'm like, hold on there, dude. And so it was kind of funny because what happened is, basically what I'm telling people to do in the article, I now had to do with this guy, ironically. And oh. so it was, it was really interesting because I'm just like, okay, Kate, like, Cool your jets. Because, I, I mean, really, the guy, and I, I realized after looking at this guy's Twitter account, I could see he has a vendetta against Jeff to begin with. Mm. And so that's where this was coming from. And so it was yeah. kind of interesting. Because I'm just like, well, okay, it says a fool says in his heart that there is no God. And I'm like, that is one thing a fool will do. But it's not yes. an all-encompassing yes. definition. And so, anyways. But... I don't know why I talked about this, other than to pitch that. <laughs> um, uh, you were talking about different ways of going about things, and how Jeff has a different way of, um, maybe Jeff has a different way of interacting with people. He does. Um, you know, it was, it was, um, you know, it was kind of funny, because I had him on the Wax Museum to discuss some stuff, and I knew I wasn't going to agree with him. And um, we actually, it, it was a very pleasant exchange. And so maybe that's why he asked me to write the article. Um, but it's, it's interesting because um, it's, a lot of this is letting go of the outcome and getting involved in the process, right? It's like we get into the process of conversation, but we're not bent on an outcome. And so as I, you know, see that person that's a militant atheist that's attacking this idea of Christianity and saying, well, why are people so sure that there is a heaven and hell? I'm like, well, I, don't, I can't really argue that. Like, I'm still figuring that stuff out. But, right. I mean, it's pretty clear to me that there's a God. I mean, I talk to him daily, so there's that, right? <laughs> and so, yeah. so that's where I wanted to take it. And, um, I, I, yeah, we'll see what happens. But it's interesting because I've also talked to the very same person as Johnny Howe. So I don't know. She might not know I'm the same person about abortion. And I think she was shocked at how civil I was with her. So. Well, I think we talked about that with, um, I think we had a whole wax museum on it about how, like, disagreeing with other people and stuff like that. Just Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things about being civil and about... Um, understanding that the other person is a human being who yeah. believes these things and a lot of times probably believes the same thing, like has the same end goal, yep. but just a radically different way of, of doing it. Exactly. 
it's just a different approach. And it's interesting because even that hostile guy, it was like I was able to talk him down. Yeah. He actually disengaged. I was kind of disappointed. I was hoping we'd keep going. What I was actually going to, I wanted to actually say to him, because I wanted to answer a fool according to his folly. Um, I wanted to say to him, okay, so what you're saying is if I believe in God, I can't possibly be a fool. Like, <laughs> oh. that's an interesting, that's a really interesting one to go with. I think that'd be a lot of fun to do that thought experiment. Yes. Um, oh, it's funny too, because you and I were talking, you and I got into it today. And, yes, um, there I disengaged was, for the record only because I had family stuff and I was like, Ugh, I <laughs> oh, can't do this. Understandable. But you were like saying, hypothetically speaking, if someone came up to me and said, you know, do you like beating your wife or do you not like it? And I was yeah. trying to, I was trying to explain to you how I'd respond to that. And then like afterwards I came up with, oh, this would be a way better way to respond. And my, I, I think this is a great way to respond, and I think I'm going to use this if I'm in this situation ever. And okay. you guys can use it too. I'm giving it to you for free. Oh, do you want me to? Do you want me to set you up? <laughs> sure. On this. Hey, why do you like beating your wife? You know, I haven't tried that, and I never will. So I'll never know. Oh, that's a really good response. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It is. It's almost like what? What is it? Um, it's like martial arts. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't hit him now. He's like totally <laughs> neutralized me. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's blocked all my moves. Yeah. Maybe we need sparring partners. Maybe that's part of it too. We need a sparring partner so we can learn how to like. Yeah. What's well, part of your challenge network using uh, Adam's kind of ideas that you have, pe- and that's iron um, sharpening iron. Exactly. Thank you. That's what, what I was looking for. Or phrase. Hey, so I, I um, heard this, um, it was, I think it was a story about Rich Mullins. And you know Rich Mullins, he liked to kind of be a ragamuffin, right? That was kind of his yeah. thing. Yeah, ragamuffin gospel. And so one day he shows up at church all dressed up. And someone's like, what the heck, Rich? Like, this isn't your thing. Why are you dressed up? And he said, it's equally evil to take pride in your pro- poverty. Ooh. Yeah. I was like, I like that. And it actually also makes me think about preachers and sneakers. Um, I was actually in an argument with someone over this, a friend, and she just wanted to defend those preachers and sneakers to like the nth degree. Um, But I saw someone- Could you define uh, preachers and sneakers? Oh, okay, I'm I'm assuming everybody's heard of this. Um, Good good point. Um, So there's this Instagram, um, account where this guy takes a photo of preachers in their sneakers and then he zooms in on the sneakers and he shows what price those sneakers go for on the market right now. And ah, some of them okay. are like 100 bucks. Some of them are like $2,000. Like it's, it's insanity. And um, it was really interesting because I read somebody talking about this. I read somebody talking about this. Oh my. <laughs> I saw somebody talking about this. And they said preachers should have modesty. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's a word we've been applying to women all this time." Oh my goodness. But men need to be modest too. So when we talk about those preachers, it's like what does modesty look like? 
it's not like you have to wear shabby, you know, $5 sneakers, but it's like, don't draw attention to your feet, you know, like don't be ridiculous, yeah. right? And so I was thinking about this and I'm like, well, Rich Mullins, he's, he's talking modesty here. He's not being right. all showy in his rags. He's dressing like a normal person, right? And so I've been thinking a lot about how like, we like to, we like to tell women they need to dress modest all the time. Actually, I don't, but I'm like, whatever. But um, people do. I, I actually saw a guy talking about how women should always wear dresses because it's more modest. I'm like, yes, because Is guys really? have never lusted after a woman wearing a dress, right? <laughs> Anyways. Right. <laughs> I think. But. Um, well, I, to, yeah. Sorry. So. Uh, to hit. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> to hit those uh, two things. Number one, I'll never forget. Um, in a million years, I was watching as a little kid, not a little kid, but as a, whatever, as a babby dinosaur. I was, um, Weird Al Yankovic had the Amish Paradise, uh -huh. and in the video, they're like, they're looking at this girl, and like, she's turning butter, something like that, and they do the pull down, which is supposed to be like that, you know, that uh, centerfold, whatever type thing that was yes. in the magazines back in the day, or whatever, and, and it's like her, and she's like, lifted up her dress enough so you can see her ankles. And, um, yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is really, this is really odd. And then I thought, hmm. So, so anyway, so to go with that, I was like, if, if it's not one thing, it's another. So oh, it's the, definitely, definitely. And it's just, because less is inherent in, not inherent, but it's, it's misapplied of something that God created for us to have, right? And so if it's not, if it's not going to be over someone in a miniskirt, it's going to be in someone Who's, who's dressed in a burqa because guess what? People still lust and women still yeah. get raped over in places where the burqa is like mandatory. Yeah, man. And um, stop. So it's just, it's, yeah. stop making excuses, guys. It's stupid. Like seriously, this whole, well, I'm a guy, aren't I? No, no, you're not an animal. You're not an animal with a piece of meat being dangled in front of you. She's a human being. Yep. Man, I'm ready to go all Mark Driscoll on it, eh? How dare you! <laughs> but oh, that was such a great, such a great clip. <laughs> it's so good. Um, um, but anyways, regard, Rich Mullins, oh. modesty, men, men need to be modest too. And it's funny that there's been like modesty culture. You go straight to women, and it's like no, 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 no. You need to be modest too. So what are you not being modest about? Well, I am the most humble person that I know, so I think I'm I'm good on that. Um, <laughs> I think that um, okay. So as an Enneagram one, I can definitely use. I definitely have issues uh, sometimes dealing with people who aren't as intelligent as me, mm. and um, I can definitely look down on them. I'm not necessarily modest about. I don't mean this in like, see, I'm not always modest. Like, I find joy in making fun of people sometimes without them realizing it. And I think that's yeah. one of the reasons I trolling for, this can be fun at times. Um, yeah. And I was actually telling someone how to do that, and I realized now that's probably not a good idea for me to do. It's like, and then when you, if you say it like this, you can make fun of them and they don't realize it. Um, <laughs> And they think uh, they're, you're being nice, and then you. I don't remember the context of that. I just remember saying that. I just thought of that. Um, I think also to kind of go with what Rich Mullins was saying, um, 
uh, so I'm not a Calvinist, but I think, I don't know a lot of Calvinists struggle with this, but I think it kind of is a general thing in Christianity in general, or is like a false humility. Like talking about, I am the worst person in the world. I am the most terrible person ever. I'm yeah. such a sinner. Woe, woe yeah. to me. And it's like, okay, okay, cool it down. You're a sinner. You don't, we don't need to go about how, how, how terrible you are and about how rotting flesh. And it's mm-hmm. like, just, just cool it. Just, we're all sinners. But, well, we were. And then we became Christians. And now we're not sinners. We sin, but that's not our state of being. Yeah. And um, and we have to we have to move past that. So let's not take pride. Like I think when Paul was saying, "I am the chief of sinners," and stuff like that, I don't think he was saying that to say like, "Hey, look how terrible I am." I think he was saying that to say, "Look, I know about sinning, but you can get past this." Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of times we try to outdo one another in our sins, and so in the sense of, so that, I think that's part of like taking pride in our, our poverty or our sin level or whatever. I think we do yeah. that a lot of times as Christians. Yeah, so it's not just about being modest in your greatness, but being modest in your terribleness too. Huh. Yeah. I never thought of that from a sin perspective, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, I what I've been finding is like I'm... I'm still convinced I'm uh, Enneagram 4, so. <laughs> Sorry, test. But <laughs> Is it pronounced Enneagram? 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 I thought it was Enneagram. Uh, Is this like aluminium versus aluminum? <laughs> yeah. It's Canadian okay. pronunciation is Enneagram. Ah, okay. Y- y'all okay. can pronounce it whatever way you want. Anyways. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so for me, it's like it, I'm emotionally driven and I have this like unique thing going on and it's all about being unique. And so I get really frustrated with the ordinary. So if people mm-hmm. want to sit and talk about ordinary things, I'm like, yeah, what normal people talk about. Like, so you're going to the lake tomorrow? I'm like, really? We're going to talk about the lake? Can we just go? Like. I don't know. But Why are we doing this? But anyways, that's been my s- kind of my struggle lately is like me saying, "No, no, no, let's like let's get philosophical. It's way more interesting, right? Right. And learning how to how to connect with people at like a normal level instead of expecting them to come to my level without sounding like I'm superior to them. But <laughs> you know what I mean? And so yes. it's like I, I like to kind of overtake the conversation and make it interesting for me. That's a better right. way of saying it. Whereas people just want to have a normal conversation and they don't want to like wreck their brains talking about like super deep stuff. Right? Yeah, maybe they just want to talk about the weather and go into the lake. Yeah. And, and not what the lake could represent when yeah. you look at it from. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm working on right now. But man, it's so hard. I'm still like, I've heard this conversation so many times. I don't know how to participate in this. I just want to leave. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's funny. I talked about this in the Wax Museum too, which will be released on the same day as this one. So I hate repeating myself. I'm like realizing I've decided not to repeat myself as I want to repeat myself as little as possible. That's kind of my new thing. 
Um, in fact, my socials right now, I don't know if you've noticed, I used to post the same thing on every social. I don't anymore. Mm. So it's like if you follow me on every different social media, you'll get different material. Whether it's like the Wax Museum, ADD Masterminds, Johnny Howe. By the way, I switched from Johnny Howe to Bridge Live Watt, and I went from having like 400 followers down to like 17 on Johnny Howe. And so I'm like, my personal account is like so tiny compared to Bridge Live Watt right now. And so please follow, was, follow Johnny Howe. He, he doesn't have very many followers. I almost didn't follow because I was like, maybe he's trying to branch out and be different. <laughs> and not, doesn't want to be associated with um, with people. Oh, it was confusing. People. I'm sure it was confusing for a lot of people. And it was just something my producer had suggested. My producer's my son, by the way. So oh. I'm taking advice from my kid on this stuff, which is really weird. But the music he's well, creating is amazing. And I'm like just trying to do it justice with my lyrics and vocals. And... It's kind of fun where the lyrics are taking because I'm just focusing on lyrics now. I don't have to worry about the music stuff. And so, yeah. yeah. But anyways, yeah, follow me at Johnny Howe and follow St. Theosaurus Rex. Word to Big Bird. I went to, I went to like, at you and I was like, I added, like, Johnny Howe. Yeah, huh. that still exists. Uh, where, where did <laughs> the, well, but it wasn't pulling it up in, like, my friends and whatnot and I was like, Hmm. And then I, like, <laughs> I started to search for you, and I was like, oh. Because I kept thinking I was getting it wrong. I kept like, yeah. it's J-O-H-N-N-Y-H-O-W. At least and the I kept f- adding in... Th- what? At least the photo should give it away that it's still me, right? Yes. Which? I kept adding an, a- an E to the end of it for Howie, and then I was doing Johnny with like out the <laughs> oh, H, no. and then the one end, and then I was like, oh my gosh, sorry, what's going on? Sorry for all the grief I put you folks through. Hopefully, the, Hopefully the single will be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Monkey with a gun is crazy. Like it is that song is so interesting. I'm like, you know, and part of it too for me is like it's like so what's the demographic you're shooting for? I'm like, I have no idea. This is just interesting to me. Um people who like music. And lyrically I'm being pretty cryptic. It's not obvious what I'm talking about and a lot of it's going to be pretty vague and it'll be kind of fun to see. If people pick up the metaphors I'm laying down. You're creating a blank page for people to project their interpretations onto it. Yeah, it's like, what's a monkey with a gun? I don't know. What's, what's, a, what's a blue hue pits do? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Oh, that's when, like, it's really hot and you've been, like, walking around mm. and, like, your underarms are, like, bleeding through your shirt. Yeah, I don't know if I'll explain the song or not. It's kind of fun, though. Um, hey, so I don't know why, but I think whispering is creepy. Like, is it ever not creepy? Sleep. I don't know. Sleep what? tight. Oh, God. Slow <laughs> <I> down. <laughs> I'd like to give you a high five. I'd like to give you a high five. <laughs> 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 I made you something to eat. I made you something to eat. <laughs> Ew! That's <laughs> oh, terrible. No, I can't do it. Ah! 
wanna go cry. Hey, I I wrote this down before before I really got into Adam Grant, but um, I think this might be Adam Grant again that I got Ow. from a book I was reading. Um, he references a famous IBM story involving an employee who made a mistake that cost the company ten million dollars. Ten million dollars. The employee figured the IBM chief, Tom Watson, would fire him. But Watson's response was, fire you? I just spent $10 million educating you. That's very interesting. It is. Because you think you just lost $10 million. What are you doing? But in a way, I guess it seems like is the... Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, training people's hard. That's what it I get is. from that. But um, it's interesting to me, like this idea of mistakes and learning from your mistakes, which kind of draws back into really the theme of all of this is we were talking about like how it's like, but really our mistakes are part of our story. And it's like, how authentic do we be with those mistakes? Well, first, Turn your life around. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like you figure out how to get on track and it, get on track. And then you can tell people, follow my example, because I'm getting on track. I am walking towards Jesus right now and I'm going to stumble. That's going to happen. I'm going to admit that I stumbled and I'm going to get back up and I'm going to continue to walk towards Jesus. And so with this $10 million mistake, it's like, oh, Jesus, you can't forgive me now. I made that $10 million mistake. And he's like, are you kidding me? I just spent $10 million teaching you something. Now learn it and keep walking towards me. Yeah. That's what he sounds like. <laughs> he's got a little bit of a Canadian accent. <laughs> yeah. Now eat your poutine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I think that one of the things that we are just, I think, as a, as a society, I don't know whether it's just Western society in general, if it's, you know, being in the South, whatever the case it is, but like at the, one of the places that I worked at, there was, it's like, we dealt with like a multi-million dollar, like, um, products like after everything was fully made and everything and the whole thing was you get no chances if you if you are the one who made a mistake and it was something like that and we we install this product and everything and you know we've spent you know a million dollars to do all this kind of stuff and you it, you're you're gone yeah um so this doesn't work in the, every industry well i think it depends on it because yeah. like i know that i made a mistake one time and we caught it before like everything really started getting on and so yeah. we hadn't put that much money into it and i for sure i checked triple checked every time from then on like that type of thing it never happened to me again yeah yeah and um and i think it's one of those like if you've got the right i think part of it is gauging the right person and seeing like so tom watson like must have seen this guy and was like hey look this guy has it right he literally just made a mistake and yeah. i don't think we have enough grace in the workplace um, especially for those like 
the employees that are like, you know what, I'm never going to make this mistake again. Oh man, you gotta and be I an think, excellent judge of character, right? Yeah, because there are some idiots that are gonna make the same mistake over and over again and cost the right. money, the the company so much money. And I'm glad it's not my job to figure those things out. Yes. That's management's hard, man. And it's like it's like that my one of my favorite Rob Bell stories that you know where he he talks about like the cashier at at Starbucks that is uh running your card. And it's like, "Oh, can't 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 run your card. I'm having problems with it." And she brings in her supervisor. Supervisor tries to run the card. Yeah, nope, nope, can't run your card. I'm going to call in the manager. Manager comes in, tries to run your card. I don't understand why like the manager has to run the card, but anyways. Right. <laughs> Never thought of that. But um but it's like so think about it, it's like the cashier has this level of problem solving, right? Yeah. And then you've got the supervisor. Well, she only gets called in like when things are getting worse. And then the manager, well, they get called in when it's even worse. And so as you go up the chain, the problem solving becomes more difficult, right? Right. So when you take that all the way to president or prime minister or, you know, like it's like that incremental problem solving, it's like, it's, it's madness. So that's why, not to get into politics, but this is why when you have a guy that's like, I'm going to solve this problem, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to change this, and I'm going to change that. In most cases, they get to power and they're like, whoa, I've got a headache. There's so much here you don't even know about. Yeah, you make all these promises, but you have no idea what it's going to be like. And I, I think yeah. it's the same thing too. Like I, I go to a lot of workplaces and I'll run into that one guy every once in a while that's just like, oh, I don't like that I have to do it this way and I don't like this and I don't like that. And I'm like, well, one day when you're emperor, you can change that. <laughs> you know? And it's like, right. but, but that person doesn't realize why things are the way they are, right? Like from his own like kind of little narrow world, it doesn't make sense to do it this way. But from a regional perspective, from a company perspective, it's totally different. They're like, well, we standardized it across the board because this. Right. But it's like you can't, you can't help people understand the bigger picture. And that's actually going to be the topic of my next Wax Museum podcast. I've, I've, I've pitched all my stuff today. Um, I'm going to be recording with uh, Manuel Marsh um, on Monday, and we're going to be talking about empathy. And it's, I'm not sure what I'm going to call it yet, but it's something like, is empathy overrated? Because the, nice. the argument is that you can only be empathetic about one or two people at a time. Um, but you can't really understand the context of the broader perspective on an issue when you're busy being empathetic toward that one or two people that are in that situation. So hmm. it's kind of the same thing, right? Like it's like, yeah. and so, so I, I guess really what I'm saying here is like, man, pray for your leaders, you know, whatever, whatever, wherever you are, whether it's in church, whether it's politics, whether it's, whether it's at work, it's like pray for your leaders because you know what, their job is way harder than we think it is. Right. And there's reasons why they're 
doing things the way they're doing them. And sometimes it is because they're being boneheads. But it's like, if you're in that position and you say like, and I, I've done this with my bosses too, right? It's just like, I think it would be easier if we do it this way. And he says, no, we're doing it that way. Like, okay, say no more. You know, there's no point in causing discord at this point. It's like, I'm just gonna do it the way he said to do it. One of my, um, one of my mentors, uh, one of my jobs, and he was a Christian mentor type person as well. Um, he brought up the point, like, I was complaining about a church that I was attending and about how they were making all these mistakes and doing all these things terrible. And he was like, you better, you better watch out. Um, you know, so if you, sorry, um, and, it's, and he said, you better watch out because, you know, they are, you know, we are the bride of Christ and those people are, are Christ's brides. And if you said even a pittance of the things about my wife that you're saying about Jesus' wife, wow. you know, Jesus' bride, then you would be laid out on the ground and I don't know that you'd be coming back, you know, you'd be past, you'd be dead, basically. And, um, and I was like, but they're making a lot of mistakes. He's like, hey, it's Jesus' wife, you better watch out. Mm. And so, um, and I think that that's, that's kind of, I still am critical of aspects of the church, and I still yeah. have have issues with p people within the church who are teaching things that are wrong or whatever the case is. But that's really kind of thinking of it like that. Really, has kind of helped me kind of embrace you know your your overall like your larger point to that, which is that um, you know kind of like what you were talking about just then, about how we we have to watch out how we we talk about people and and not just trashing people because how is that helping helping the body of Christ. Well, it's like be a healthy skeptic, yeah, but don't be a toxic cynic. It's a good way to put it. And I think we're done. Woo! Uh -huh. Thanks for joining me again. You're like pretty much the regular co-host of this. I think yeah. eventually we will have Jeff and or Jason, and we'll do this three-personed. That will be, I'm scared. I'm scared in how that will work. <laughs> Three person is quite a bit different. It is. Yes. But anyways, thanks for joining me. And thank you for listening, all you people in ADD land. Toodaloo. Bye. ADD Mastermind.